Hi, welcome to the Preach What You Practice podcast with me, Josh Green. We're all about preaching what we live and getting our walk to talk. Thanks for tuning in today. I've got an amazing episode for you and let's tune into today's podcast. Um, I'd love if you could subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening. Um, send it to a friend, click the link and, and chuck it over to a friend who you think might enjoy it. And uh, also, if you could support me on Patreon, it would mean the world to me. There's all sorts of tiers of how you can get involved, uh, where you can get exclusive content and videos. You can get a sneak preview uh, of my book. You'll also be able to get a signed copy of my book before the release date. So support me on Patreon. The link is in the description. It's patreon.com slash preach what you practice. And let's get involved to today's podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Preach What You Practice with me, Josh Green. We're all about preaching what we live and getting our walk to talk. I'm so thankful that you tuned in today. Today we're going to be looking at how does God use my pain? Now you might have seen in the title that I sort of wrote cause, little play on words there. How does God use my pain? And the premise of what we're talking about today is that God doesn't cause our pain, he uses our pain. I want you to get that today wherever you're listening. Um, I've been noticing that people are listening all over the world. So um, shout out to my people in Finland and in Germany uh, and in America. Big shout out to all you guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, I want you guys to know today that God doesn't cause our pain. He uses our pain. Now, before we get right into this episode today, I would love it if you could think about somebody you could share this episode with. So you just click the link, uh, share and copy link. And then after you've finished or even while you're listening, just drop somebody a text or a WhatsApp or a Facebook or even share it on your own social media. Let's get people involved. Let's get list people listening to this because it's a really important subject. A lot of us go through pain. A lot of us go through suffering and it's really difficult to navigate through. I've been through uh, deep pain myself, deep suffering in my life through um, various things that have gone on in my life and I just, something like this, how does God use my pain would have been so helpful. Um, but yeah, let's, let's get that around today. So the scripture we're going to be looking at today, the Bible verses, uh, is Numbers 21. We're going to be looking at a little story in Numbers 21, uh, which is a little bit sort of jarring and difficult to take in at first, but I'm going to unpack it and hopefully you'll be able to understand it a bit more. Uh, and we're also going to take a look at the sort of uh, the New Testament version or the New Testament interpretation, uh, how Jesus sort of interprets this verse in John chapter 3. So uh, let's get into it this um, morning, I was going to say, but you're probably listening <laughs> at any time. So let's get into Numbers 21. Verses four to nine. They traveled from Mount Or along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom. The people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God. That's a key verse. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no bread, there is no water, and we detest this miserable food. Now that's funny, isn't it? There's no bread, there's no water. We detest this miserable food. Well, which one is it? <laughs> do you have food or do you have no food? Let's pick it up. Verse six. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, we sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. 
The Lord said to Moses, make a snake and put it up on a pole and anyone who is bitten can look at the pole and they can live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. So we're also going to look at uh, Jesus' interpretation uh, of this scripture. It's in John chapter 3. You can find verses 14 and 15 before a very significant verse, John 3, 16. So verse 14 says this, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes on him may have eternal life. So the sun must be lifted up that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life, just like Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness. So God doesn't cause our pain, but he uses it. Now, you might be thinking from those scriptures, it kind of sounds like, you know, particularly with the Old Testament scripture, that God does actually cause pain. But I'm going to sort of unpack this scripture to show us how I believe that God doesn't cause our pain but he uses our pain so how how does God use our pain that's a really good question I mean we do hear time to time preachers sort of quoting different bible verses and saying you know God can take the bad things that happen in your life and sort of turn it for good and and um, recently I did a message on purpose a few weeks ago a few podcasts ago uh, and I sort of said that God can take your pain and turn it into your purpose well how does God actually do that because it's all well and good saying it it's all well and good saying your best is yet to come but how does that actually work out well firstly I think we need to understand that God is not restricted by your past or your mistakes and failures I think this is a really important point number one God isn't restricted by your past how is God not restricted why is God not restricted simply because God can take the worst of you and make it the best of you before I followed Jesus, I was the worst with my words. Uh, swearing, cutting people down, moaning, criticizing. But now God uses my words to bring hope and healing, whether that was um, through the music with social beings or whether that's right now with this podcast or when I preach at church or when I talk to people when I'm out and about. I try to bring Jesus into the conversation. I try to uh, use encouraging, hopeful, life-giving words, healing words. And it's crazy how God took the worst of me, how I used to word, use my words to cut people down, and God's made it the best of me. My words bring hope and healing and life and inspiration. Somebody better preach <laughs> right now. No matter what the worst of you is, God can make it the best of you. See, God is not restricted by your past because God can take a cursed thing and make it a blessed thing. That's what happens in Numbers. The thing that killed the Israelites, the snakes, God takes it and uses it to bring healing. Verse 8 and 9 says this, The Lord said to Moses, Make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten on it can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. And then anyone who was bitten by a snake looked at the bronze snake and they lived. God can take a cursed thing you know, we learn about the serpent in the Garden of Eden that sort of tempted mankind into, into disobeying God and then that caused corruption and sin. So the snake is a symbol of a curse. The snake is a symbol of something negative. And God takes that and makes it a blessed thing, something that can bring healing. And even further than that, we know that because Jesus died on the cross for us, even the absolute worst of humanity, all sin, all evil was put on him on the cross. He took it upon himself. 
Even that can be turned around because of the cross of Jesus. It can be turned around, forgiven and healed by God. And that's what we read in the next verse in John chapter 3. Just as Moses lifted up the snake, so anyone who looks at the Son of Man lifted up, everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. And, and that's what it means here. Some people use that uh, in the worship context, and it's not wrong. You know, if we lift Jesus up, uh, people are drawn uh, to him. But actually what it sort of means is that when Jesus was lifted up on the cross, when we look on him and what he did, for us on the cross, we can receive eternal life. And the Bible even says about curses, Galatians 3.13 says this, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, "Any cursed is anyone who hangs on a tree. In other words, Jesus became a curse for us. Jesus literally took upon himself and became the worst of your past. He is not restricted by what he already became. I say all that to say this, there is no sin that you've committed, there is no part of your past that is too dark or too cursed that God can't turn around in your life. I want you to understand that today. Some of us think that our past is too bad, you know, don't touch my past God, don't touch my money God, don't make me forgive my dad God, don't make me pick up my dead dream again God, but God's promises are not removed and not revoked by your pain or by your past God's promises are true and he can take your pain and turn it into purpose. So God is not restricted by your past. The first thing you need to know when you think about how God uses your pain is you need to understand that God is not hindered or restricted by your past. He can turn it around. He's not restricted by your pain. He can turn it around. And secondly, God doesn't cause the suffering in our lives. God doesn't cause the sufferings in our lives. Why? Well, if we look in this passage, it says that God sent the snakes. Now, that's difficult. It seems as if God is causing it. But it seems to suggest that God is causing suffering. So why is it important for us to even talk about this? You know, if I'm saying sort of God doesn't cause the suffering, but yet the Bible sort of seems to say something else, why am I even bringing it up? Well, for two reasons. I bring it up because people seem to be misunderstanding what's going on here, or people seem to have this view of God that God does actually cause suffering. But I think most of us who are Christians would probably say that's not true, but a lot of us don't have the theology to sort of say why that is true or we would see a bible verse like this and maybe sort of skip over it but we can't do that a lot of people who don't follow Jesus think that God is causing suffering you know God took my dad from me I hear this sort of stuff all the time you know God took my dad away so how can he be real this seems to be the season that God has for me and secondly many people who do believe in Jesus think that somehow this is God's nature that this is what God does like and I just can't see that when I read the Bible and I, and I think when people sort of look at the Bible like that there's an issue of how they're reading the Bible now you might think what do you mean by how you're reading the Bible. You just read it. Uh, and yes, of course, we do pick it up and read it. Uh, but we read through the Bible with all sorts of lenses. We read the Bible through all sorts of presuppositions, uh, our background, our, our culture, what people have already told us about God. And this is called, in um, theological study, this is called hermeneutics. Now, <laughs> this is a very big word for a podcast and for a video right now, but you guys are super intelligent. You're going to get this. Hermeneutics is basically 
basically our glasses for the Bible. What are our hermeneutics? How are we reading the Bible? You know, what's gone on in our past? What's, what have people told us about God? What is our background? What is our culture? All those things sort of colour the way we read the scripture. So how do we get a nice pair of glasses? How do we read the Bible well? How do we have good hermeneutics? I reckon four C's are going to be able to help us with this. The first one is context. We don't just look at an isolated scripture, but we look um, at verses before, verses after, or even the whole story, particularly in the Old Testament. Context is a lot larger. We sort of have to read quite a lot more scripture to get the whole context of what's going on. In the New Testament, you know, you could maybe read a few verses before and a few verses after to sort of get the bigger picture. But in the Old Testament, I, I always say that maybe a few chapters is better. So context. The second thing is culture. What is the culture that this verse was written in? We have to understand that these scriptures are old. They're very old. Now that doesn't mean they're not relevant, doesn't mean we shouldn't follow it, but they are old. It means that we should understand the culture from which they were written. Third thing is canon. What does that mean? The whole canon, the whole Bible. We shouldn't just isolate a single scripture, but we should view it in the context of the whole Bible. What's the narrative? What's the story of the whole Bible? What's the message of the whole Bible? We could look at an isolated scripture like this numbers scripture and say God does cause suffering, but actually if you look across the whole breadth of scripture, you would actually say oh, that's not a canonical way of understanding God. The last one is Christ, the most important. We view the scriptures through Christ. We have to remember that the first half of the Bible is used by a different religion, by the Jews. The Jews read the first half of our, well, it's not our Bible, it came from them, the first bit. So now we have to go back into the Old Testament, back into scriptures like Numbers, and say, how do we view this through Christ, which is why I brought the John scripture in. And if you don't know how to do any of this, if, you, if you're sort of reading the Bible super quick or you, or you don't have loads of time to do this, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Bible says the Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. Never pick up your Bible without praying first. Holy Spirit, show me what you're saying through this verse. And this is uh, one thing that I did recently uh, when I was reading this passage in Numbers. I read this passage and I felt like um, as I was praying, I was like, God, you know, it says that you sent the snakes. It seems to say that you caused suffering in our life. What, what is that all about? So when I read this passage, I felt like the Holy Spirit sort of said to me, or a thought popped into my head, uh, which is often how God speaks to me. I don't send snakes. I don't send snakes. Well, I thought, but God, <laughs> this funny quote in the Bible to God, but God, your word sort of says that you did. Uh, so what does that mean? Um, does it mean that you don't send snakes now, but maybe you did back then? Do you know what's going on? If God didn't send the snakes, how do we view this passage? Well, let's, let's use our four C's, context and culture. Research tells us two things. The culture that was, that was going on back then, this place where they were in Edom, was already infested with snakes. I did some historical research into this, and this place was renowned for being full of snakes, infested with snakes. So what does that say? That says, and when we look at the context of the whole scripture, that says that the Israelites, whilst they were there, 
They weren't being bitten at first. So God was actually protecting them. God's blessing was on them. So they were in this place that was infested with snakes, not being bitten, not being killed by all these venomous snakes. God was protecting them. So that's that helps us, first of all, see, oh, okay, so actually... They were in a place where snakes were already there, so the sending is not so much God just sort of sending them from the sky. They were actually already there. And actually, God's desire, God's hope, was that he wanted to protect and bless the Israelites, so he was protecting them from the snakes. But how do we understand this word send? Because it's the word send that grates on me a little bit. Now, just because it grates on me doesn't necessarily mean that it can't be true. I, you know, the I don't want to um, be somebody who puts my thing onto the Bible, my interpretation onto the Bible. That's called eisegesis, and we don't want to do that. I want to exegete the text. I want to find out what's in there uh, and pull it out, apply it in my life. What, you know, what the Bible says, that's what I want, to, I want to follow. But when I looked into send, this word send, a better translation could be, and you can look it up yourself in the Hebrew, why I say better is more biblical because when it's used elsewhere, they use it in this way. And I just think actually this would be a better way of using it here because the snakes are already there. So it's not like God sent them, they were already there. They just suddenly attacked them. So a better translation could be gave up. Now it says this in Romans 1, God gave them up to their sinful desires and, and, and people lived that way. And that's what happens in our world. You, you could look at the suffering that's caused and you could say, well, it's not that God's causing it. It's, you know, a lot of it's humanity causing it. And actually, that's because God has sort of said, well, if you don't want my blessing and protection on your life, you live life your own way. And that's sort of like a God giving them over to their sinful desires. And that's what happens here in this passage. It's less of God sending snakes as a punishment and more of God removing his blessing and removing his protection. And then the snakes that were already there are sort of given over or allowed to attack the Israelites. Now, you can still find issues with that. That's still not easy to take, that God would do something like that. But also God gives us a choice out of love. God gives us free will. And that's what happens when we turn away from him. And that's what the Bible says. And this is why I said it was important. In Numbers, the Bible says that the people spoke against God. They didn't want God in their life. And that's what happens. God gave them over. And so this is why then we can understand a little bit better why, you know, as soon as Moses prayed and actually, God, we want to come back to you, the people are like, please, Moses, tell God we want to come back. God's like, yes, I want to heal you because that's who God is. God's a God of healing. And Christ tells us that. God doesn't send snakes to kill. He would rather be killed himself. And that's, you know, the canon tells us that actually it's better to understand senders gave up. Christ tells us that God doesn't send snakes. He would rather be to kill. He would rather be killed himself, himself. So God doesn't cause the suffering. He uses the suffering. God would rather suffer than you suffer. And that's what we see in Christ. We see a God who suffered for you and me. He suffered for you and me on the cross. He took the punishment. He took the pain. He took everything that we went through on himself for love, love for you, love for me, love for the entire world. And if we look on him, as John 3 says, we can receive eternal life. So God doesn't cause suffering. He uses it. He uses it to demonstrate his glory and his power. He uses it to make you stronger and bring you purpose. He uses it to shape and strengthen your character. All the while it feels like God is causing it 
But the Bible says that God takes what the enemy meant for evil and uses it for good. Before I knew all this, I found it very hard to read and believe a scripture, uh, Romans 8, 28. I found it hard to read the scripture. I found it hard to believe it. But now I know he's good. I know that he's love, that he doesn't cause suffering, but he uses it. I can confidently believe Romans 28, which says, God works all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Thanks so much for watching to today. If you're listening on the podcast, please uh, subscribe, get involved to what I'm doing. Uh, and what I would love is if all of you guys could support me somehow on Patreon. The, the link is in the description of the video, the description of the podcast. It's patreon.com forward slash preach what you practice. See you next week for another episode.